0: God's doing some really, really cool things, and so we, uh, first of all, can we give a shout out to those who are watching online this morning, online views, God bless you, I want to make a, just take a moment really quickly for the online, so September 1st, two weeks from today, we're going to be taking communion. If you watch online uh, on a weekly basis, if you uh, chat right now with our people, or Email Aaron A A R O N at gracechurch.tv, and we'd like to take communion with us. We want to send you the communion elements so that you can take it together with us at 11 o'clock Eastern Time uh, as you watch. I think that'd be kind of cool. that be cool to take communion all together just around around the country. So, if you're if you would like to uh, email us your information or chat, and uh, we'll we'll get all the information, all the elements out to you. Praise God. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, hunt, Janie's gonna help me. This is my honey, and Andrew and Emily are gonna help. And so we have. Can we? Does, do you want a mic? We got a mic down there for you. I you want to read them. I want to read them a little bit. Yeah. So uh, we have bags. We have baskets. Uh, this is Janie's idea. So in the baskets uh, there are some like candy and popcorn for the teachers. We're gonna. This is gonna be. This is gonna be cool. Just popping by to say thanks, huh? Get it? Okay. Yeah. Um, Bursting to tell you you're you an amazing teacher, Starburst. Oh, uh, very good, right? Uh, this one, you're an extra amazing teacher. Extra gum. Okay. This one lost one. That okay. one lost one, but okay. we got we love your commitment to being a great teacher with some altoids. Very cool. And we didn't skimp on these either. These like that's a big one right there, just so you know. Uh, I guess I shouldn't have said that because this is a little guy here, but <laughs> thank you for your role in our lives. Don't you love teachers? It's been a joy being in your class, although maybe we haven't been, but I love almond joy. And then you're officially an amazing teacher with Swedish Fish, so very cool. All right, teacher, you're worth a hundred grand. You may not get paid that, but you are worth the hundred grand. And uh, we have a bag. Can you, Emily? Can you give me? A, just hang on there for a second. We have a bag of school supplies, and I mean it's loaded up with just all kind of stuff: sharpies, and pens, and paper, and uh, glue, and just. I mean it's a heavy. It's a full-on bag. So what we're going to do, and each teacher, we have a check for $125 for you if you signed up to. Yeah, that's good, right? Whatever you, want. whatever you want to use. If you want to buy a brand new outfit for the, for the first day, buy a brand new outfit. If you want to use it for your classroom, if you want to... If you got to do, do whatever you want to do with it, you do with it, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call the name of each teacher that signed up one by one and and you're just going to hoot and howl like they just won the academy award okay is that we're i mean we want to appreciate our teachers and then you're going to get it teacher and you're going to stand down here you're going to form and then we're going to pray for you the kids downstairs are going to be prayed for and they're all getting a backpack so you're going to get this and then you're going to grab a bag and these bags are all the same so grab a bag Drew and Emily's gonna give you a bag, and you're gonna grab one of these, and then you're gonna and the crowd is just gonna erupt like you just you know won the Academy Award, and then you're gonna stand up here across the front. There's 15 of us, 15 of them, and so then we're gonna pray for you. So are you ready, congregation? Yeah. All right, are you ready, teachers? Sarah's ready. Sarah's that, was, ready. that was horrible, but that's gonna be good. Uh, she's up here. She's oh, coming up here, her. yeah. All she's right, so teacher number one, Amanda LaMere. Oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's good. Wow.
0: wow. That's, that's awesome. Hey, don't don't wear yourself out on the first one. But that was amazing. That was really good. Okay, second one, Ashley Floyd. <laughs> All right. You're getting tired already, I can tell. You're going to have to. You, you set the bar, so you got to keep it there. Uh, Monica Duckworth. <laughs> that's, oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Awesome. Oh, see? That was good. Really good. All right. Number our This next one here is... Katrina Jones. Come on, church. She's not here. Okay, we'll, we'll pause. Her loss. Her lo- my check. No, <laughs> Pam Fultz. Next is Kayla Pittman. (laughs) All right, next is Sarah Linehart. (laughs) looks like she's 16. Okay. But she's really a teacher. Okay. Caitlin Council. You're doing good. Awesome. Ellen Ennis. Ellen Chip. <laughs> Chip watts.
1: <laughs>
0: Ch- Christy Cole. Derek (laughs) Miner. Bailey Knuck. And last but not least, oh, Ellison Tompkins. Woo! standing, stay standing, because we're going to have you pray with us. And listen, here's the deal, because we're talking about culture today. And don't you know that there are certain Uh, influences and investments that teachers make that can change culture, right? And so aren't you glad that you're a church that can bless teachers, that maybe they can feel appreciated going into the school year an underpaid job, a job that maybe is some not always thanked, uh, a job that maybe is taken for granted, a job that maybe is people just look at and say, yeah, 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 you're a teacher, maybe you're second best, or maybe kids today are empowered to mistreat teachers. Aren't you glad that you're a church that can lift it up and raise it up and pray for our teachers and bless them and build them. Can we give up one more time for our teachers of Because We appreciate them. Thank you, teachers. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. So cool. Raise your hands this way if you're comfortable doing so. Father, you're an awesome God. And we thank you so much for teachers today. We thank you, Lord, for their heart, for students. We thank you for their passion, Father, Lord, for people. We thank you, God, that this will be the best school year yet. We pray, Father, Lord, for a hedge of protection and a shield of favor around them and their classrooms, Lord, their schools, oh God. Lord, in this trying time in America, Lord, where we have to be safe and make revisions, Father, I pray, Lord, and declare safety upon everyone, upon every one of their schools, Father, upon every one of their homes, oh God. I pray, Lord, as they work long hours and, and Lord, make lesson plans and great tests and papers, Lord, that they'd never give up. Lord, they'd never forget, oh God, they have a church that backs them and loves them and knows that they are making a difference in the culture and their communities, Father. I thank you for them. God, I thank you for who they are. Father, I pray blessings upon them now. Let this be their best school year yet. Give them the best classrooms, the best favor, Lord, with uh, principals and other people, God. I pray right now with school boards and superintendents. Father, I thank you for the 15 teachers we have here, Lord, in the, in the classrooms, the schools that they represent. I pray, I speak blessings and life upon them, oh God. Use them. Thank you, Lord, Father, that you've called them. Lord, that's a calling, oh God, and you've called them to be teachers, God. Lord, and we thank you for who they are. We thank you for who they represent in you. We pray blessings upon everything they do in this year. In Jesus' name, we pray, and everybody says, amen. amen. Praise God. One more time. Come on, sir. Praise God. Awesome. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, yeah, I want to pray for the kids. You can be seated. Here's the, here's the backpacks that uh, the kids are getting downstairs. Camo for the boys, pink for the girls. And if you would, let's just pray for the kids downstairs. I know they're being prayed for, but let's pray for them. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, God, Lord, for each of our children downstairs. We thank you for who they are. We speak safety and protection over their schools, So blessings over their teachers, oh God. We pray, Father, Lord, anything that anyone would try to send out, you would cancel right now in Jesus' name. We thank you in advance, Lord, for the best school year yet. Bless them, Father. Use them, O God. Bless those little children. Let them find the love of Jesus Christ. Bring them into good classrooms and teachers, O God. Father, we thank you in advance, Father, Lord, for what we're sure to know is it will be a year of testimony. Lord, order their steps. Be their rear guard, O God. Lord, and just bless them, Father, we pray, O God. We speak against anxiety, O God, as the school year starts. Now we pray, Lord, that you just cause them, O God, to be bold before you and bless them, we pray, and in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. God bless you. Come on. Yeah. Awesome. All righty. Wow. Praise God. Well, Marcus did a good job last week, right? Yeah. Interpretive truth. Amen. Thank you, Marcus. Good job. Praise God. We talked about absolute truths before that, the week before that. So absolute truths, you know, God. Uh, sin, obviously, because Adam and Eve fell. Uh, Jesus Christ coming to earth to redeem us and be our redemption, and then, of course, salvation. Last week, interpretive truth—things that maybe we encounter or don't encounter, things that are make for really great discussion. Uh, like, are you pre-trib, are you mid-trib, are you post-tribulation uh, rapture theory? Are you, you know, do you speak in tongues? You don't speak in tongues. You are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is that? Evidence by speaking in tongues, a lot of those things that we talk about. Today we're going to talk about cultural truth. And cultural truth is really difficult uh, and different because in cultural truth, we have to be careful because culture changes. But culture, although culture changes, our truth can never change, right? So we have to make sure that we're uh, on a firm foundation. We have to be sure that the foundation that we're sure of and firm on, that we, we walk through that. I remember that when I became a Christ follower, it was different. It was 40 years ago. I was uh, just out of high school, and uh, you, you just things looked different. And, and the church of that day wanted to kind of preform you before you came to church, in other words, you had to dress a certain way. You had to look a different way. You had to you had to smell a different way. And it wouldn't it be easy if we all kind of looked the same, right? Like if we were all you know made different you know the same way, it would be a really easy life, but it might be boring. And so we have a we have a different church because we're a church for all people. We have a church that's really diverse, and we have a lot of things going on and. I I have told people, I've told my wife, our church would be, it would be, my job would be so much easier if everybody was a certain way and thought a different, certain way and did a certain thing and, and all those type of things, but they're not. And we're, we're a church for all people. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. So because we're a church for all people, you're going to get all people right? And so be, that being said, we have to be careful on how we act culturally because it's easy for the church to uh, point out things that maybe uh, look different in other people versus what we're used to. Now, we're not disguising nor are we uh, disagreeing what biblical truths are. We, we want to follow the word of God. Amen. And when we follow biblical truths, then it becomes easy for us to say, listen, if I, if I understand truth and someone else might say, well, that's your truth, this is my truth because the Bible says many different things. And, and then we, when we look at what the Bible says in some certain areas, we have to be careful. Like some people would say in America, and I'm going to, so first of all, do you love me? Yes. Will you continue to love me after this message? All right. If you're a visitor, you can come back. If you're a regular tender, will you please come back after this message? All right. So you need to know my heart on some things because there are certain things I'm trying to figure out and filter through because I think the grace of God is very broad. I think the grace of God is very wide. I think and when we look at the grace of God, we have to look into our heart. Now there's some there's some standards that I would set for both myself and for our church as a leader of this church that maybe are prevalent in the culture today. And I'll talk about two of them because they're uh, they they're just prominent. So a lot of people uh, may or may not want to build a wall from uh, America to uh, Mexico. Now both of my grandparents came over on a boat uh, during World War I from Europe, one from Belgium and one from Poland. And there is no record from them going through Ellis Island. So I don't know if they came here legally or not legally. And my dad's a first generation U.S. citizen. So I don't know. So I am passionate about people that come to America, at least giving them a chance. Okay. Now hear me. Are you with me? Three yeses. Okay. Well, we know where you stand. <laughs> okay. So my my point is this that. Uh we have, a, we have a person in the first service, uh, uh, she just told me that her, her husband got deported back to Mexico, and it may be up to 10 years uh, before she sees him again. Those are things I deal with, okay? And so those are things that we deal with as Americans. Those become cultural truths. So that's, when I say a cultural truth is, that's our culture today. We have to pray for wisdom in Washington. We have to pray for wisdom in our uh, government, state, and local. We have to pray for uh, legislation. We have to pray for those things but more than anything, the church cannot cease being the church, right? The church has to be the church. Another thing then would be same-sex marriage. Now, pastor, what's your stance on that? I've said it before. I'll say it again. I believe in a biblical role model marriage of one man, one woman, okay? Okay. The reason I state that is because we are a diverse church and we have diversity in our church, but I've stated it to a lot of our people in our church who are diverse, okay? This is my stance, and I, I, I stand by that as a pastor of a church, but we're still a church for all people, we are a church that will welcome anybody and everybody into our church. That stance that I have is, again, based on Adam and Eve. And then it's based, again, on what Jesus said. Now, I'm not using that as a trump card today, as a, as a, as a, uh, that might have been a bad phrase. <laughs> so, so Sorry. <laughs> I'm not using that as, a, have you ever played the game of Rook? My wise family loves Rook. I hate games. I hate card games. I hate board games. I just do, do, hold, do oh, good. Oh, good game. Like, oh, and game. These like, they like game. Rook, you know, do turn in the game. turn, and the game, and the they've got a game, they've got a turn, or something. Well, the, I'm not using what I'm saying today as a Rook card for anything. I, I'm simply saying to you there are a lot of uh, paradigms here from all the way from wanting to build a wall to keep people out from deciding on who gets married when where and why and we have to take a stand on some things all of my stands that I take will have biblical references but again that doesn't mean that we don't love all people that's the way we see it that's the way we're reading it are you with me is that okay so i'm not again i'm not i please 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 If you're here or you're watching online, do not get offended by what I say. I'm speaking culture, okay? And by the way, these cultures have lasted for about 4,500 or 5,000 years. A lot of people will say regarding in time, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was. Pastor, we're going into the days of Noah. that They were married and being married. These are the days of Noah, but so were they then, so they might be 100 years from now should Jesus not come back. I believe the table is set for him to come back. I believe that he could come back today if he wanted to, or or his father tells him to. But I'm saying at the same time, it may exist for another 100 years, 200 years. There may be a 300-year window where Jesus, where, don't you know that Jesus wants everybody saved? All right, don't you know that Jesus wants, so people who don't know, the common ground. And here's here's what I want to hope, here's what my hope is. Here's what my prayer is, that no matter your stance on any issues, whether it be political, whether it be diversity, whether it be uh, social, whether it be economic, your stance on anything starts with our heart, okay? And Jer- uh, Jeremiah 4.4 4 says that we need to circumcise the foreskin of our heart. Why is that? Because we become callous in what we believe. The scribes and Pharisees, historians tell us, 125 years before Jesus came to this earth, was born on this earth, they were the most radical, God-fearing people alive. Like, they loved God. They went to every church service. Like, if it was today, they went to every Bible meeting. They went to every church service. They they ran here and there and everywhere. They were just loving on God. But they started to love their works and they started to love their rules. And when we start to love our works and our rules more than we love God, we've missed the boat. And so a lot of people will be like, you have to do this to be saved. You only have to do one thing to become a Christ follower and that's accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, you have started this mission or this journey of now following Christ, and the, and the rest is between you and God. Now, the church is in place, discipleship is in place, people, teachers, and preachers are in place, apostles are in place, evangelists are in place to help with that work, but sometimes we've gotten it a little confused and a little messed up, thinking that now we have to tell you what to do rather than show you and teach you what to do. Okay? I've came out of a mainline denomination where they told you everything to do where you couldn't even read the gospels in public in that church on a Sunday. Now that's a little bit twisted and I don't think that's Jesus's way. I think Jesus wants us all to be able to read the word of God, understand the word of God, open the word of God and allow God to minister to us. That doesn't change our doctrine. Our doctrine is sound, our doctrine is secure, but our doctrine has to stay even against cultural times. When culture raises, up because culture can change. Culture is just a radical movement that takes place when somebody doesn't like something the way it is. So then a movement starts. And when a movement starts, then the culture starts to shift. We're we're past in America, we're past a post-Christian nation. Now they say we're a post-truth nation. Okay. When we lose truth, we lose out. Now, again, that's not to admonish anybody for saying, listen, well, he he says I'm not being truthful. He says uh, I'm not being right. There are a lot of scripture that will tell us different things about different scenarios that I won't go into today because I think we need to Ephesians or Philippians 2 and 12. Uh, Janie ended the first service with it plan out our own salvation with fear and trembling therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling paul is talking to the church at philippi and he's saying this one thing listen if you if you call jesus lord you need to make sure that your heart is right, that what you're living and doing, you're, you're, you're being part of a God movement. Billy Graham says it this way, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us. It's God's job to judge us, and it's our job to love them, right? Are you with me on that one? that's a beautiful powerful statement so if we can be a church of love and if we can be a church of love for all people and someone comes in and says pastor i don't think i need to change i think i'm fine just the way they are they're the ones that have to stand in front of god not you you have to stand in front of god on how you loved people how you worked with people the example that you were well do you think i can live my life just any way i want i don't think that's a good way to go I, I think there's some danger there, and I think if you're not careful, if you pray off the power of the Holy Spirit and conviction of the Holy Spirit too often, there is a chance you could become reprobate. That, that power of the Holy Spirit to draw you uh, loses. So here's what happens when you know it, and if you're, if you're a Christ follower and you've dabbled in temptation, so whatever that temptation may, must be, that first time, it's like the Holy Spirit just pounds on your heart. Like, oh dear Lord, I I mean, I wish I'd never done that or thought that or said that. And then all of a sudden you you do it again and the Holy Spirit pounds on your heart. And then after a little while, the Holy Spirit and that knocking gets a little more faint and a little more faint and a little bit more faint and a little bit more faint. And And the Holy Spirit's like, well, if you know better than I do, you just go ahead and do it. And we become part of a scenario that we loved and knew God at one time. And then God didn't walk away from us, but we walked away. Paul says it like this in Romans, the second chapter, starting at verse number, I think, 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. In other words, the law was set up so boundaries were in place when the Israelites came out of Egypt with those boundaries to prove that they needed a savior, not to prove that they could live by the law. Nobody could live by the law, the 633 laws that were, that were established. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law by nature, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. Verse 15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse. In verse sixteen, then we'll come back to fifteen. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Let's go back to fifteen. There's a couple words there that are really, uh, really important. So what Paul is saying here is someone someone is in their uh, someone's following Christ. They've given their heart over to the Lord. They they love God. And this is my complexity. This is where I'm at. So, like, Lord, how can, how can uh, Abraham be the father of faith, have lied a couple times in scripture? And you say all liars go to hell in revelations. How can David, uh, who is like the lineage of David, Jesus comes from lying to the tribe of Judah. He's the branch of Jesse. David uh, commits a, uh, 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 adultery. He, he uh, arranges a murder. Uh, he eats the showbread. Uh, his family is a wreck, and uh, by all accounts, he, pro- he divorces uh, because um Saul takes Michael from David and gives her to Pitla, so there's gotta be a divorce there. Five things that according to the Levitical law would have stoned David. And in Acts 13, 25, you call him a man after your own heart. How can that happen and this happened? How can Jacob have two wives and two mistresses and you form a tribe of Israel out of those four? How can that happen? I don't. I, in my simple mind, and I know I'm simple and you guys are a lot smarter, than me. How can that happen? And we have such cultural differences today. Like what's the problem? And I, I feel like the Lord keeps going back to what he said in First Samuel, the 16th chapter to Samuel. And when Jesse kept bringing the sons by, uh, Abinadab, Eliab, Shama, and all of a sudden God says, wait a second, you're lacking at the outside appearance. I look at the heart. Because otherwise, all of these people in the Old Testament that I mentioned, throw in Noah, who got drunk, uh, throw in Gideon, who was a uh, coward. They're all mentioned in uh, uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, which is we call the Faith Hall of Fame. These guys are monsters in the kingdom, yet they all have these major flaws. Now, I'm not going to minor on the major today and talk about their sin and talk about their flaw. There's got to be something different. And I believe it's right here in what Paul says. God looks at your heart. And you are either accused or even excused by your heart. So, in other words, the person who just seems like they're dabbling in sin—they just—they don't—they just absolutely don't. In our minds, they don't get it. I don't understand. But in their heart, they're like pursuing God with everything. It just—it just doesn't work out. It's not totally catching it. It's not totally working. And you know, David, he repented of those sins and Abraham, I'm sure repented of those sins because he made an altar. But if we look at just the sin or perceived sin and we don't see the heart, then aren't we becoming a judgmental society? Isn't our culture of truth judging people that stack up to us while there may be secret sin in our life or secret flaws in our life that we don't want other people to see? And sometimes the church has this idea that if I pick out sin that I'm not doing, then it makes me okay. Where, where God's saying, if I can look at the heart, and maybe someone seems like they have it all together, but their heart is manipulative, their heart is hard. And Jesus said when he was speaking in Matthew, I think around the 24th or 25th chapter, he said, I'll tell them, depart from me because I never knew you. Now that word "new" goes to the heart. It's an intimacy. Uh, the book Emotional Intelligence, written maybe ten or twelve years ago, uh, has—and I forget the author this time—has a segment in there. Uh, me and Blake, Blake, come up here for a second. Welcome Blake back, everybody, from his mission trip. So, if Blake and I are talking, what's like? What are you really passionate about? Getting um, married. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So, all right. So, so we're going to talk about marriage. Right, and then you and I were we're talking about marriage, and because you're passionate about it, and I'm passionate, I just I just celebrated 39 years of marriage. Like that's, right. right, so that's a, and I and I love Janie more today than I did 39 years ago. I can tell you that. And I, I thought she looked smoking hot today. I'm telling you, her hair was done. I told her between services. Now, now I don't want you to think that about her, but you think yeah. that about yeah. Devin. So yeah. my my point is this: we're talking about marriage, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the book Emotional Intelligence says this. If we're so passionate about the same subject, within 15 minutes of our conversation, our hearts start to beat at the same rhythm. At the same time. Because we're so passionate about that, all right? So when we're passionate about God, we have the heartbeat of God. And then nothing's hidden from God in our heart. It's when we try to hide things from our hearts. Like, you're, yeah, I not really want to get married. You know, she making me. She and I'm passionate about, I know that's not the case, but I'm passionate about my marriage. And you're like, eh, shut up already. Let's go into the ball game, you know? It's, our hearts are never going to beat the same. But if you and Devin are on par and passionate about the same things, your hearts are going to beat the same within 15 minutes. Now, here's my point. When we know that, then our hearts either accuse us or excuse us with the Lord. So we still need Jesus as a, we need to be a Christ follower. But when we're talking with people passionately about something that they're passionate about, this is the, that's what we say, that's the heartbeat of God. They've got the heartbeat of God. Why? Because they're in tune with God. When you're talking to someone, do you, have you ever seen someone kind of look through you? Like, yeah, they're, they're not interested in the thing I'm saying. All right? Like you all today. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm only partly serious. No, we look at things, and then we start with our heart. If if we start with our heart, and then that's something that God can use. So in our prayer time, what do we want to do? We want to get the heartbeat of the Father. In our worship time, what do we want to do? We want to get the heartbeat of the Father. In our our, evangelism time, in our study time, what do we want to do? We want to get the heartbeat of the Father. Why? Because then our heart starts to beat. Now, when we have the heart of the Father, like maybe that person who just can't get out of the mess that they're in, they're just struggling, struggling, struggling. We think that dirty, wretched sinner, they're, they're just going to end up splitting hell wide open. And the Father sees their heart. But on the same time, someone who masks it very well and does just a really good job putting a mask on, they come to service, they're worshiping, and all that, but behind the scenes, they're trying to manipulate stuff, they're trying to change things, they're trying to. He, Jesus says, I never knew you. In other words, you never had my heart. We never went back and forth like this. And so, even though they use his name to cast out devil, even though they use his name to, to preach the good news, even though they use his name to have doors open for them, he never knew them. Why? Because because he never, they never had the same heart. Does that make sense to you? When you have the heartbeat of the Father, it doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to go away and everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be dandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still going to be some heartache in your life, quite possibly. But when this thing's all over, He judges us by our give Devin or, uh, Blake. Sorry, give Blake a hand of appreciation. Hear, hear me, please hear me, because this is important out of Romans the second chapter. When we understand that everybody here is has the same opportunity to have that heart surgery. And we say, Yeah, but you know, Pastor, I just don't understand that lifestyle. Or Pastor, I don't understand that you, know, you, you know, they can when I when I got became a Christ follower, um whether you do this or not, it's between you and the Lord. So uh, I did, I stopped, I shouldn't have ever started, but I stopped drinking uh, for my wife's sake. She, uh, Mark, I don't like you, I don't like you drinking beer. And so I don't drink beer. And, and so I'm just using it as an example. But because of that then, when, when, when some people get saved into legalism, it's basically things that they don't do That makes them saved in their mind. And I I really for a long time thought I was saved because I didn't drink beer, or because I didn't go to the movies, or because I dressed right on Sunday, because I didn't miss a church service, or because it didn't do the it was all the things I didn't do, and it it dawned, it hit me, or maybe it was a, a message that was preached, or maybe it was just cultural change and transformation in my life or in our church's life. When this is years and years ago, that All of a sudden, if that didn't make me a Christ follower, Christ makes me a Christ follower. And if if Christ has my heart, then I become a Christ follower and then the Holy Spirit deals with me on things that needs to get rid of me. This is why Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The Jews knew that God was so holy that if the priest went into the holiest of holies and he wasn't right... He died on the spot. They had to drain, drag him out by a bell chain that was tied around his ankle. So that's a fearful thing. Now Paul's saying, no, that same God, he lives in your heart. You have to work that out with fear and trembling. And we have not grabbed this concept in all the days of the church because we say, I've got to work out my salvation, but Jesus is the only way. How does that work? When you become a Christ follower, hear me, this is important. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you on certain things. And if, as the Holy Spirit convicts you on those things, you start to change your own culture because all of us are sinners saved by grace. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And it's easy for some of us or for churches or people in general to pick and choose what sin seems more hideous. Well, that guy's a mass murderer. He should die and go to hell or he needs to be, he needs to be electrocuted or he needs to be shot or whatever the, the case may be. Or you know, the Bible says so. Well, the Bible also says don't judge and don't gossip. But we do an awful lot of that in the church. The Bible says an awful lot of things And so what's the gauge? How do we pick and choose? I mean, if Aaron didn't make, if Abraham didn't make it, if Moses didn't make it, if Noah didn't make it because of their failures, if David didn't make it, and I'm quite sure they all did because if I read the scriptures the way I think I do, it seems like they made it. I'm not excusing sin today. But the bottom line is sin is between you and God. I mean, if you want to talk about cultural truths, because I think Jesus came as a counterculture. Come on back, worship team. I think Jesus came as a counterculture. Hear me for a second. He knew the Roman culture was bad. He knew the Sanhedrin court was bad, and he knew the Jewish culture was bad. Why he picked that time frame, I'm not sure. It would have been a whole lot easier today. You could have Instagrammed everything, and you know everybody would have been happy and smile at Jesus. Let's see Jesus' story. But he chose to come whenever he whenever he did because that was like the perfect place and time it was by appointment now hear me he never had a problem going and talking to the woman in adultery he never had a problem going to the talk talking to the woman at the well that had five husbands and divorced five times and was living with the six. He never had a problem with the woman with the issue of blood that came up and touched her, touched him. He never had a problem with the, with the leper whom he touched and made whole. And all of those were crimes were punishable by either a week in the house or stoning. Jesus came to correct culture. He came as a counterculture and for grace church to be counterculture. Now, I don't say that to be a, a cool phrase, because it's brutal if you're trying to change culture. It's brutal if you stand up and say, well, you know, I'm not sure if if we should do this politically. I'm not sure if we should do this socially. I'm not sure if we should do this, you know, civically. I'm not sure if we should do this economically. I'm not sure, but I am sure of this. If God pierces our heart, then we're accused or even excused by that. And I'm not giving anybody the leeway to do anything that the Holy Spirit hasn't challenged you on, but what I'm asking right now is that you allow the Holy Spirit to deal with you individually and say, hey, is there areas in my life that maybe, Lord, you're trying to, are you trying to change? Is there areas in my life that maybe you're trying to work on? Is there places in me that, we use the term sometimes Christian standard, but even Christian standard has changed. But biblical truths have never. But the problem we run into, and this is the, the, the phrase is called an iso-Jesus. An isogesis is finding scripture that works good for me. Like this is a, oh, taking out a text or taking out a culture. Solomon, the wisest person in the world, had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now that's unconscionable for us today. If, if that took place today, that we would understand that. And yet Solomon wrote three books of the Bible. I'm not excusing sin or perceived sin. I'm saying if every one of us checks our heart today, then cultural truths are irrelevant because culture should never change truth. Truth should always change culture. Bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute. And here's just what I here's what I'm asking is what I'm preaching. Uh, myself included, if we would just check our hearts today. Lord, is there anything in my heart? Is there anything in my life? Is there anything in my person? Lord, that has failed you. Is there anything in myself? Just check yourself for a second. If you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and say, Pastor, I need to make make my relationship right with Jesus Christ. Raise your hand right now. Just raise it right up. Thank you for that hand, that hand. God bless you, that hand and that hand. Thank you for that hand. Just raise it right up and right back down. That's all you got to do. And we're going to pray here in a moment. We have several that raised their hands. And, And listen, we need to make sure that our heart is right that we don't walk around in society picking and choosing what we, that's how the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees did it. They picked and choose people that they thought should be on their team, the way they looked, the way they acted. And if we're going to be a church for all people, then we have to allow all people to come, and we're going to sort through a lot of stuff together. Stand with me, if you will. Can we give them a hand of appreciation that raise their hand today and say, I need to make it right. I'm going to ask every person here to repeat this prayer after me, and we're going to end with a really good worship song. During that worship song, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit just to deal with you. Holy Spirit, would you just deal with us? Well, let's pray this prayer together. This is what we call a prayer of faith. You've been around long enough, you know, but maybe it's your first time. Maybe you're a new person here. This prayer of faith just simply introduces us to Jesus. The rest is between you and the Lord. We just want to get you on the, on the right path. So repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your truths. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. I thank you for forgiveness. I ask for that forgiveness today. Would you save me? Forgive me? Love me? Give me joy? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, give a shout out to the Lord really quickly. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. If you're comfortable doing so, raise your hands up. I'm going to pray a brief prayer they're going to sing a song and i want to thank you for coming out i want you just to contemplate some of the things that i have said if you if you disagree with some of them hey don't leave just come see me send an email or call the office Let, let's talk let's start a, let's start a dialogue james jesus brother said this let's reason together let's reason this out in james the third chapter verses 16 and 17 let's reason together let's talk Let's have, a, let's have a conversation. Father, I thank you, God, uh, well, again, for our teachers, for our students, for our congregation. Lord, for your love. And I pray, Lord, all of us together, Lord, that we would challenge our heart, that we make sure it's bent on you, Father, and allow the Holy Spirit to change in us whatever he needs change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.
2: walk in that grace what a what an amazing world we would have but it would go back to that billy graham statement it's the holy spirit's job to convict, convict us it's god's job to judge us and it's our job to love if we could get that in our spirits and get that in our hearts and to get it outside of these doors today our job is just to love one another that's what Jesus is. The Bible says God is love. Just love one another. Let me before you. Father, we we love and we thank you, Lord, for your love first of all, that you've so lavished upon us. We thank you for your mercy and your grace that you've given to us. Lord, so we know that we have to give mercy in order to receive it. So Lord let us do that. Let us walk in your mercy and your grace and your love. And show the love of Jesus to everybody we go. We just thank you that you are good. We bless you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.